So our next question is one that I think is commonly talked about a bunch, but is worth really diving into some specifics. What areas have you noticed Christians tend to struggle in majoring on the minors? What areas of culture have we become unnecessarily judgmental? It's hmm. a good question. I think I think as Christians, we definitely have a tendency to major on the minors because I, I remember growing up thinking that anybody who smoked a cigarette or drank a sip of alcohol was basically destined for hell. And I mean, that was just, uh, no one actually taught me that, but it was just the perception. It was so majored on that anybody who was smoking that cigarette or drinking was backslid in and that whole thing that uh, in my mind, it just created this perception where it was like, oh, they're, they're bad people. So that's my, one of my experiences with us majoring in the minors. Yeah. One point that I think is really meaningful to hit on before we even jump into the examples is the distinction between major issues and minor issues is not the distinction between important and unimportant. Hmm. By labeling something as a major issue, we're saying that if we get this wrong, what we're talking about is no longer Christianity. And when we're talking about minor issues, we're saying there are different ways in which we can think about this. There are different strategies that we can attack this from. There's different ways that we can interpret this section of scripture or whatever. It, it's not that if you think about this slightly differently, you're not necessarily not a Christian. Does that distinction make sense, Aaron? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so I think I think going to the question of what areas have we noticed Christians tend to struggle in majoring in the minors. I know for us, in the context we grew up in, two ones that come to my mind immediately are eschatology, the study of the end times, and then uh, the Calvinism and Arminianism debate. Mm -hmm. So eschatology, uh, I grew up kind of with this understanding of our eschatology in Calvary Chapel would be considered uh, pre pre mill dispensationalism, and it, it, there was kind of this idea where like, man, anybody who doesn't believe that, ugh, they're weird, man. Like, I, I I don't even know if we can do ministry with them. Like, they've just got it. They've got it wrong. Like, a mill, post mill, all these guys. Like, it was kind of uh, the, in my mind as a young Christian, I thought of them in the same category as I did like super liberal Christians or um, even like atheists, you know, and that's just so not true. Majoring on eschatology and saying somebody who has different eschatology than you, you can't serve with them. You can't be in fellowship with them. It's, it's insane to me. It's like, you know, eschatology, right? It's, it's basically like the study of the end times. So it's this idea of uh, when is Jesus coming back? Right? So to me, it's like, what if your dad said, to a group of kids, Hey, I'm coming home at this time. Make sure you clean the house before I do and do your chores. And then instead of cleaning the house and doing your chores, the family just fought for years about when dad was coming home. Like, what is he coming home at eight? Is it seven? Is it actually next week? And, and, and I don't want to be in your family anymore because you, you think he's coming home at a different time is kind of the silliness I think with it. Yeah. I think of it almost as like, if, if my wife and I were invited to a wedding and I asked her, what time does the wedding start? And she says, oh, I think the invitation said five o'clock. And I was like, no, I thought the invitation said 530. <laughs> we're both still invited to the wedding, even yeah. if we have a different understanding 
of when the wedding is actually supposed to start. Again, that is an important issue. There's a lot of scripture that talks about it. It is worth studying. It is worth coming to an opinion on. But it's not something where if I think one thing about it and you think a different thing, we're now totally different. Unless your thinking is like, what if at the end of the Bible, Jesus doesn't come back at all and alien lizards rise up from beneath us and they take over the world? It's like, <laughs> now there's really no way the Bible got you to that conclusion. Well, And that's the, that's the key difference is these different eschatological views. They are based on faithful interpretation of scripture. And there's different interpretations, but these are all sort of recognized as like, okay, within, you know, mainline Christianity, these are the different views. And so I've learned to respect people with different views and even to respect people who haven't fully formed their views on eschatology. I think that we shouldn't divide over that. We need to say, Hey, like we're in the body of Christ. Now, somebody, like you said, has, and you know, uh, alien lizard theology. Yeah. Alien lizard theology. That's clearly outside of the bounds of scripture. And that's where we go. Okay. Maybe we do need to major on our difference here, but otherwise we should be able to participate in fellowship and in and, and ministry with people who have different eschatology views. Cause in my mind, one thing I've heard about eschatology is, you know, eschatology will affect how you live, right? It's going to affect your practice of Christianity. And in some circles, it's there's such an emphasis on eschatology where it's like, this is the main thing. But in my mind, it shouldn't be. In my mind, if I'm a pre-mill guy and I'm talking to a post-mill guy and an a-mill guy or an a-mill guy, or however, however you pronounce that, I think if our emphasis and focus is the gospel, evangelism, making disciples, planting churches, if that's our focus, we should be able to get along, right? Like we should be able to come together and serve Jesus and not draw lines about that stuff. Absolutely. That's always been my thought on the Calvinism and Arminianism debate. Mm. I am sure that you've watched that play out in countless youth group conversations. <laughs> but as I think about that, both sides believe that people are born in sin and that they need a savior. Mm. Both sides believe that Jesus is the only savior. Both sides believe that it is good for a person to want Jesus as their savior. And both believe that at the end of it, the thing that saves the person is that Jesus died for them, rose again and loves them. Mm. That is so many beliefs in common that if we're just going to get really mad at each other because we have like the order slightly backwards or we have a disagreement on what what comes first does god give you the desire or do you have the desire first that to me is like i can't make peanut butter and jelly sandwiches with you because you put the jelly on the bread first it's like <laughs> the end result is the same we're trying to make the same thing even if there's a slightly different process or a slightly different view of the process we should be able to see there is so much in common that it overshadows the differences. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. And for me, like, so I'm not a Calvinist, you're not a Calvinist, but you know what? We do ministry with some people who are Calvinists. And I grew up with kind of that majoring on the minors thing when it came to Calvinism, where I thought Calvinists were like this, these weird Christians that were secretly like trying to destroy the church from the inside. And it, it just came from that perception that was passed down to me. 
And then when I started to actually like make some friends with people who are Calvinists, it's like, okay, we've got some major differences on some things. There's some nuances that, you know, do affect certain aspects and ways of how we do ministry. But at the end of the day, you're my brother in Christ. You're my sister in Christ. And we can move past these differences and we can serve Jesus together. If our heart and our mission is Christ, is making disciples, is preaching the gospel, that, I mean, that that's the family. That's that's what unites us. It makes me think of the Thanksgiving table, right? When you're sitting at that Thanksgiving table, you are surrounded by people that are very different from you. Very often you've got maybe your vegan aunt and she's watching you eat that turkey and she is not amused. She is not pleased. Uh, you've got your, your uncle who politically you disagree with on a lot of things. But the thing that unites you together at that table as family are two things, blood and marriage. It's the blood of Christ and what he's done for you. And it's the marriage. It's, it's the, you're the, you're the bride of Christ together. And, and so you're united at that table because of those things. And even though you've got differences with your family, it's still your family. And so I think as churches, we need to stop thinking of people who are different than us as being outside of the family. Yeah, it's, it's so true. I'm, I'm even glad you brought up politics as an example, which is something no one is saying anymore. I'm glad you brought up <laughs> politics. But that's a really good example of places where Christians have been really convinced of their point of view. And it's not just Christians doing this, but when Christians do it, we can make it sound like if you don't vote the way that I do, or if you don't value the same issues the same way as me, you're not part of the family. But in literally every other family, political allegiance doesn't define whether you're in or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. And I think, I think obviously, when it comes to politics, we need to recognize the layers and nuances of it, because there are so many people that have complicated political views, but they don't just subscribe and say, yeah, everything on the conservative side, sign me up. I don't care. Or, hey, everything that the liberals want to do that, hey, I'm a card carrying liberal. So just, yeah, sign me up, man. A lot of Christians don't think that way. I think that when there are issues that to me clearly go against what scripture teaches, that's where I'm going to have some issues with somebody. If I'm talking to somebody and whether they're conservative or liberal, if they think that abortion is a-okay, totally fine, no problems with it, everyone should be able to do it, I'm going to have a seriously hard time connecting with them as a Christian for that reason. If there's somebody who is a Christ follower and they're like, hey, I've got some different ideas than you on what should happen with our tax money. Or, hey, I've got some different ideas on what should happen with the military. Or, hey, I've got some different ideas on foreign policy. If, you know, I'm a more, you know, like conservative Christian, and if they're saying stuff that sounds a little bit more on the left side of things, I shouldn't just write them off because of that. If it's not clear moral issues, we need to recognize that there's room for people to have differences of opinion on things. And actually, it's a healthy thing for the family of God to not just have this collective group think where it's like whatever these people say is what we all believe. We need to, as Christians, I believe, engage in the complicated issues and actually talk to people with differences of opinion and still do that within the framework of the body of Christ. Because otherwise, we can only have those discussions with people who are non-Christians. And the problem with that is they have a different starting point for all of their ideas. It's not based on God is real, there is objective truth, and there is objective morality. It's based more on humanistic thinking. So 
I think we need more room at the table for Christians with different opinions on things. And that to me is why this conversation matters so much. To me, the real danger of majoring on the minors, I guess there's two. The first is that you miss what's major. When you're so focused on the minors, you don't have time for what really matters. And when Mm. you lose sight of what really matters, then these lesser issues become the only thing that matter for you. Mm. When that happens, the second problem is people who are on the other side of that minor issue from you feel like there's no way they could ever find Christ, at Mm. least not the way that you present him. One place where I think this really has come up in culture is the way that Christians have focused on homosexuality. Mm. And I, I think that it has made people who struggle with that or identify that way, it's made them think there's no room for them in the church. And uh, I'm not saying that it is an unimportant issue. I'm not saying that it's not worth talking about. I'm saying that by being so focused on homosexuality, we have made people in that community feel like there's no way Jesus could ever love them. And that is leaving a major part of Christianity that God loves all people and wants all people to be saved and it's replacing it with a minor view. And if we're projecting that to the world above the major, then we are misrepresenting Jesus. Yeah, absolutely agree. And when it comes to that particular topic, you've got guys like us who have a what we would call the historic Christian orthodox view on sexuality, which would be non-affirming and believe that homosexuality would fall under the category of sexual sin. The problem for those of us who have that view, is we focused so much on talking about that view as if it was worse than any other sexual sin that it causes everybody who even has the attraction, and they're not even acting on it, but they just have the attraction to the same sex to think there's no hope for me and I'm lost and there's nothing anyone can do for me because I've heard this talked about in such a way that it's so negative that I think it's worse than any other sin. And now I'm doomed and I'm hopeless and I've tried to pray it away, but it hasn't gone away. And so I'm not, I can't fit in, in the church anymore. And I think that's a part of what we're trying to be, at least I would call it, you know, a resistance movement now uh, on the other side of trying to say, okay, growing up, our side of this pushed it too far and it's driven people away. And now it's created an obstacle to someone finding Jesus. So we're not going to compromise. We're not going to say like, oh, that's not sin when we actually believe it is. But instead, we're going to bend over backwards to try to show love to people that previously were pushed away. I was talking to uh, Brenna Blaine, who is a same-sex attracted Christian, who's decided to live according to uh, the the orthodox view of Christian sexuality. She's married to a guy, has kids, but she still struggles with that attraction. She's a wonderful person. I was talking to her last night and she was saying a huge amount of her friends have walked away from the faith and have now drifted into either more progressive Christianity or just uh, atheism. And one of the links we were talking about was for a lot of people that we both know who drifted away from Christianity, the straw that broke the camel's back for them was how they saw people in the church treat anybody who was LGBT. And so for them, seeing how Christians treated uh, gay people, trans people, same-sex attracted people was what actually drove them away from Christianity. And so I think that's the fruit of often majoring on the minors. 
um, and not being fair and balanced. And that's why I think we do need to bend over backwards where even if we think something is sin, we need to show love to the people who are struggling with it. And my encouragement is that if you're in conversations where the minors are being brought up, which those are good conversations, they're worth having, make sure you root them in the majors and bring it back to how do the major points of following Jesus guide me in this conversation about the minor points. So begin with a conversation on eschatology. Begin with God is real. God has revealed himself in the Bible. Jesus is the rightful king of all the world. And one day he will come back and establish that kingdom. Mm -hmm. If everybody agrees to all that, then suddenly the smaller differences along the way aren't really as scary because they're just slight changes in a story you all agree on. If you're going to talk about homosexuality, begin with God is real. God has revealed himself in Jesus. Jesus is God and Jesus died so that any sinner could come to him and find life and hope and peace. Mm. With that as our beginning point, now we can talk about whatever issue. And it's a lot less scary because we've focused on the major that will guide us into the minor. That's good. It's really good.